0: Hello and welcome to CM Conversations. I'm today's host, Indri, and my focus here at CM Life Science is the animal health and nutrition space. In today's episode, I speak to Carmen Abhoff a COO of RESPECT, a Dutch-German company focused on revolutionizing the egg production industry. We talk about how their cutting-edge technology works, why it's important, and how they are going to be at the forefront of this fascinating industry in the future. Here it is I hope you enjoy listening. Hi Carmen and um, how are you today? I'm really good thank you so much. Good to hear thank you very much for joining me today on this podcast uh, I was very keen to hear your insights and I guess the best to start with is by introduction so what is the respect and why did you decide to join the business?
1: Well, thank you so much for your time and the interest in what we do. Um, the company's name I work for is Respect Group and we have the aim to end calling in the laying hand industry. Um, I myself, I'm COO at Respect. I'm part of the company since the founding in 2019.
0: Nice, lovely. Um, so how does the technology work? Could you just give us a little bit more over brief obviously you've been since 2019 so it's quite a few years um but how how did the vision came up and how the technology works well of course so maybe to explain a bit what chick culling is in the beginning
1: so everyone knows where we're working at is um so when you look at poultry industry um today and at chicken then you have actually two different directions so one is breeding um animals for meat production and the other one is breeding them for egg production. These are completely different genetics that are being used because each and every one is more efficient in their own direction. So you have the meat industry and the broiler industry as we call it. Here we um, have animals that are specifically breeded so that they have a good gain in weight and therefore a good meat result um, when going to, to slaughter. And here, female and males are used, so both genders are used to, to do um, meat production. When you look at the layer industry, so production of eggs, you actually have the situation that you only need the females because you want to have the laying hands that lay the eggs that are being consumed. But what few people know is that in a hatchery where these laying hands hatch as a chick, you also have males hatching, and it's actually 50%. So with every laying hand that hatches, a brother of this laying hand is hatching, that has no economic use because it's not giving any eggs and it is not gaining enough meat to be um, compared to broilers or meat genetics. Um. And Therefore, these day-old chicks are culled every year, and that's about um, 6 billion worldwide each year. And therefore, we have the situation that this is the chick culling situation we're talking about. So when you talk about uh, AU, we are talking about 330 million day-old chicks per year, and worldwide it's 6 billion. Wow, that's a huge yeah, number. Yeah, it's a huge number, exactly. Yeah. And uh, well, we faced the situation quite early. Our company is a German-Dutch company and it's been, um, let's say, political and ethical um, debate since many years, in Germany especially. And therefore, there has always been a lot of research by universities to find a way avoiding chick culling. And one easy approach is or one approach that was made by universities and um in their research was to find out is there a way that we can identify the gender of the chick still being in the hatching act before they actually hatch and then only hatching female hatching female chicks in the end so that therefore we avoid chick culling and that is especially what we do so um we come from university research um, and then have developed this basic research into machinery that actually can work in a well, normal working daily working hatchery style in an industry level. Um, and that is what we've been trying to or working on since 2017 uh, and then 2019, founding the company and finally having a product that can be used in a daily business. Well, the way the technology works is quite. Uh, sounds quite simple. It's quite complex in, in, in the daily business, but um, it, there has also been a lot of improvement. So what we do is we are looking at hatching eggs that are in an incubator as it's called for 21 days, so until you put the hatching eggs in until the chick hatch, hatches, you need 21 days for laying hands. And we are working between day eight to day 11. So we take the hatching eggs out on this frame of day 8 to 11. And then we make a teeny tiny hole in the eggshell by laser, so it's non-invasive. And then by air pressure we, and suction, we take out a teeny tiny drop of liquid out of the hatching egg. Um, this liquid, this allantois fluid, um, no one knows of this that it's only consuming eggs because this fluid does not exist in consumption eggs, only in fertile hatching eggs. And this fluid contains certain information that we need. So we can either test that fluid um, through the hormone uh, level they have and relate the hormone level to the gender, or we do a DNA, a PCR analysis. So we work with two different styles of analysis here. Um, And that is what we do. So we take out the little drop of liquid, then we seal the hatching egg again with these wax. So it's only open for a few seconds. And then we take the sample we took, the lab which is also a small department within the hatchery and then we um, analyze the liquid and then we have the result the hatching eggs go into a sorting robot then where they're sorted between males and female hatching eggs and then we have one 100% tray we call it with only solely female hatching eggs these go back in the incubator and then the male hatching eggs are sorted out and they are being processed into animal feed.
0: Wow. That's a very like precise, I would say, you know, procedure, but it's so like encouraging as well to hear. And it's it's very, very interesting. And obviously, as you mentioned, you German Dutch, there were regulation changes in Germany, uh, also including other countries as well, like banning chick chick calling completely. But how is going on, how, how is everything going on, you know, for the rest of the EU? How, how you see the, the whole continent, like, moving towards this uh, procedure ban?
1: Yeah, so we have some countries that are pioneers in focusing, let's say, on culling when it comes to animal welfare legislation. So existing legislation we have in Germany and in France. Then there is supposedly legislation in Italy for 2026 um, that will forbid culling and besides that, most of the countries in the EU are wait- actually waiting for EU. So it seems that EU will this year, maybe already, um, mm-hmm. find a way to have, um, to forbid chick on EU level. So this is all part of the Green Deal, part to, to part of strategy that EU is having right now, in, uh, re-evaluating the entire animal um, welfare legislation they have. And- uh, thinking about including chick coming to it, um, so I think there are different approaches here. Some countries have already national solutions, others are waiting for to see what EU legislation will look like and then adapt accordingly.
0: Mm-hmm. What about other continents? Do you get some like interest from, you know, other regions as well, uh, excluding EU? Well, so in general.
1: Legislation is one thing, right? And then there's, of course, the industry. And the industry, of course, itself has an interest in what we do as well. So um, it doesn't always, it's not always necessary to have legislation behind. Sometimes it's even not so helpful um, because, of course, industry partners, they prefer to change their systems due to their own will and not because they are forced by legislation. So um, actually, sometimes we appreciate it even more if we can start in country. working without any legislation, because then everyone is much more welcoming us than being pressured by it. So, um, well, in general, we, of course, talk to many um, industry partners all around the world because the target group we have as we are providing higher animal welfare within the um, egg industry is, of course, searching for those supply chains where high animal welfare is appreciated within the egg sector. And I think this could actually be applied to every country in the world, maybe in some only a small niche, and then others a bigger market part, because we are looking at organic and free range eggs already, right? And then looking at those markets, where's the consumer who's willing to pay a bit more for the table egg uh, in order for it to be free of chick and, and And I think we find this quite right in many countries. It's either a cost factor to implement, on then, of course, it has a bit of an effect on in the industry, considering change um, and so on. So we are we are quite positive that there will be more and more countries adapting and changing. For example, we are about installing technology in Norway, which is not EU. So this came right out of this, well, an in intrinsic willingness from this country itself. So and that is really much appreciated. So I think there are those countries that are willing to be the pioneer and um and chick culling
0: in their country. Yeah, I think I do agree with you. And consumers are changing the way, you know, the way the industry is moving as well. It's very important how, you know, animal animal welfare, animal husbandry at the moment, and consumers want to know where the products are coming from. So how do you know, um, how the consumers can see, you know, that the eggs are free of chick culling? I've seen on your website, there's like a logo or something. How How, do, how, how can they find out that? Yeah,
1: actually, so that is actually what makes us very special is that we not only have the technology to do an oversexing, that's the term, the sector industry term for it, so the gender identification, the Hatching Act, but we also have communication and verification to communicate this added value to the consumer. Because when we were ready with the technology in 2019 to implement it in a hatchery, realize well there is no demand because the hatchery tells us well no one will buy these chicks that have a higher price just because they're free of chickling. I need to know someone will buy these for me. So we realize quite easy and early on, even though we are a technology company, we need to be somewhat B2C as well. We need to talk to the consumer and we need to um well derive a demand through the retail, through NGOs and so on to really see that the people want this product in the in the shelves. And that is why we we actually defined verification. So we have our own requirements through the entire supply chain to guarantee that free of chick culling is happening. And because of course you could mix up animals in the laying and farm, you could mix up eggs in the pecking center, you could mix up eggs in the supermarket. So There are many situations where you could lose this value you made in the hatchery because we are so early in the supply chain. And most consumers think, "Okay, eggs, they come from a farm. But then where do the laying hands come from? Right. That's not really how far you think. And realizing the complexity of the supply chain, which is over like six or seven steps, we are the first step then it's really difficult to carry this added value along and make sure it's 100% segregated. And that is what we do. So we have a label um, which says free of chick culling, but it's not only a label, but really a verification and requirement behind it, controlling and visiting all the farms and making sure that everything is segregated and separated. And we always have 100% free of chick culling. So when a consumer... Opens the packaging of eggs. They know this is a hundred percent. It's it's no mass balancing as you might know it from palm oil or things. So that is what we do. And today these eggs are available in Germany. We are in the Netherlands, in Belgium. We are in Switzerland. So this is. The, but we are of course working strongly on on making this more and going and in, coming into new countries. guaranteeing it so we always offer both services to our partners we offer the technology and we offer the verification uh both can be can be bought and booked um both possible from our side to help them implement it into the supply chains they have
0: yeah and also from the consumer side that bring that awareness education understanding how how the cycle works as as you say you know so many steps and so complicated um, which is very interesting if you're not even involved in in the industry to understand where your eggs are coming from yeah exactly and uh, this is also why we
1: for example on website have a possibility to enter the 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 code that is on the x so mo- the eggs, at least in europe most acts have a number on it and then you can enter it and then get the result oh these are really chick calling they come from so and so so that helps the consumer as well too and well then we offer the supermarkets to get flyers and have small videos and social media to really explain what is it that we do because in most countries, consumers are not aware of chick cawing so suddenly you look in the shelf and you see actually of chick calling, realize what is it like what what have I been buying since the last twenty years right so So we need to help them understand um what the situation is about
0: yeah, absolutely I agree with you. so we already mentioned obviously consumers the way the the animal welfare is changing um it is not not saying like slow, but it's, it's going towards that. We still need to do a lot of things. But what would you say, you know, what's next for poultry sector? What, what is the future?
1: Well, I think we had a bit of a hurdle with the economic crisis um, due to COVID, Ukraine war and so on. So animal feed prices went so high that it's, well, animal welfare became a bit of a luxury. Um, and I think we are about where now it's easing out again, right? So the situation gets a bit better. It's not good yet. It's not as it was before. Um, And first of all, we're hoping to get back to where we were before, right? So to get back to the level of uh, high animal welfare um, and also retailers really using animal welfare as a competitive advantage. I think that is a great situation to be in because that's profitable for everyone then, and especially for the animals. Um, I think that is a great development. Well, in general, I think what we see in poultry um, today is that it's one of the most sustainable ways of animal product, products produced, right? So we have white meat as being very beneficial also when it comes to sustainability and resource use. Um, so I think it's the one meat where it's really still on a good development in consumption. Um, And then with eggs, it's the same. So eggs are the only, let's say, human uh, or protein um, that is animal-based that is suitable for vegetarians, right? So um, that is, I think, why the eggs are very special here and have a really good chance of of developing and always being a a beneficial um, diet um, thing for humans. And we see a lot of different approaches to making eggs more sustainable. And I think that is really nice to see. So you have a we have a good development in organic um, and then there's um, a lot of other products or a lot of other ways to make trying to make it more animal welfare oriented. I think the big hurdle we see is avian influenza, so bird flu. I think that is a bit the struggle for the entire industry that is holding us back on many animal welfare situations. I think one learning from AI might be that um big companies, big laying hand farms are not the solution because if you have a huge farm with a huge amount of animals and then AI hits, it hits so many animals at once. So there what we see a bit is due to this, there is a small development towards smaller farms again, which is of course in the first moment doesn't feel like the most efficient way of using your resources, but then considering risk management, it's actually a really good way to handle it, to have a lot more few smaller farms than one huge. Um, and so there is is a bit of a relearning, I think, that we have due to, well, with humans, it's, it was COVID for birds, it's AI. So, um, and that is quite interesting to see that we, we learn a bit on how to do combined risk management with animal welfare and health, um, And I think this I see becoming more better and better and more professional um, because there's a huge learning curve for everyone right now.
0: That's brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing. It's it's actually really interesting. So (laughs) great to speak with you, Carmen. Well, best of luck. Um, And yeah, speak soon. Thank you so much. Um, Hear you soon. So that was my CM conversation with Carmen Abhoff, COO of RESPECT. I'd like to thank Carmen again for her time and the insight she provided on this fascinating topic. I hope anyone interested in animal health and welfare could gain some valuable perspectives from her role and experience in the industry. Subscribe to CM Conversations today for more insights on exciting topics with thought leaders across the life science industry. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Indri. Bye for now.